Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined by JJ Cooper, bringing you playoff podcasts as we do every year. First one of uh, this postseason, JJ. Sorry, we missed one, but we were really busy yesterday. Yeah, deadline, rookie of the year issues coming out, player of the year issues coming out. Keep an eye out for it on newsstands. Uh, JJ, we saw the Yankees and the A's go at it last night, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about you know the A's strategy with bullpenning. This was a team that did not do it for much of the year. Toward the end, they started to mess with it, had really mixed success, more losses than wins with bullpenning during the regular season. They go out and do it last night. Just what were your overall thoughts on that strategy, that approach? Uh, we saw Liam Hendricks give up the two-run home run to Aaron Judge, and, and in your estimation, was it a mistake? No. Um, I think, actually, I think they had no other choice. They really do not have at this point... What we have seen, it's amazing to me how quickly the game has changed. If you have Lee Severino, who, by the way, in essence pitched in a, in a role that did not exist a few years ago himself. He's their number one. You could really argue he's their ace. And he didn't get through five, and it was a great outing. But if you do not have, if you're the Astros and you have Justin Verlander, you absolutely ride Justin Verlander. But... If you look at the, the choices to me that the A's had, is it really going to be, are you going to be that much more effective if you said, you know, if they had sent Mike Fires out there or Edwin Jackson, Edwin Jackson Trevor Cahill, you know, were you expecting four out of them? Five? I don't, I mean, again, I don't think that you would have handed off if Edwin Jackson starts that game, I don't think you're handing it off to the rest of the bullpen in the sixth inning in any better shape than the 2 nothing deficit that they were trailing at the time. So here's my thing is while I, I actually, and this is where you and I both disagree and agree, um, I didn't love the strategy. I thought you had guys that had been success for you, successful for you all year using a traditional setup. This was a team that was not familiar with it and hadn't had success but, with it. But, but that's not why they lost the game. They lost the game because they didn't get a hit until the fifth inning. But, but when they you lost, say that, though, and you say they're not used to it, they did it less than ten. I believe less than ten times this year, only toward the end of the season. And I believe but when they you were say only three, towards the end of the season, I believe they, they were. I believe they were three and six doing it. Wins and losses. No, that's not really the whole story because again, you could you could have a game where you lost. We know this from Jacob Degrom. It, well, they started Jacob Degrom. Clearly, you don't need to start Jacob Degrom. You lose games when you start Jacob Degrom. When you say effective, like they use this. When you say they only use this ten times, they essentially turn to this as a regular part of their strategy when they ran out of starting pitchers. But what Correct? They, but what, no, because what they started doing at the end was they were starting Trevor Cahill traditionally, and then the final weekend of the season they said, you know what, let's try doing this the bullpenning way. Mike Fires have been starting for them traditionally. They only really tried it with those two guys here uh, this final weekend of the season in Anaheim. It was new for a lot of them, and that for me is something where, you know, despite we talk about Cahill and Fires and, and Jackson and maybe their shortcomings, they were really, really, really good as traditional starters for the A's this season. And even if they do get you those four or five saying, innings, I would argue that is better than the Liam Hen giving Liam Hendricks an inning. It also means, hey, we're not using Fernando Rodney in the fifth when the game can get away with us. We either don't have to use him because you can just go, okay, the guys that are semi-reliable. Rodney's been terrible all of September. You can instead go, okay, we're going to get through four or five with Jackson or Cahill or whoever you want. Then you can go and see, say, hey, let's go with the strength of Trevino. Let's go with the strength of Trinan. But, it, it but short, reality is, is and again. Fewer of your worst relievers are going to get time. But they were not as good a team as the Yankees. And the, the problem with that is, is that even if we say that, they could have done that. And the reality of it is, is the game was went out of hand. 
because and I know that they brought Trinan in in a, in a t tough oh, situation. Rodney is when it got out. Well, of same, hand. but they brought and then they brought Trinan in. But Blake Trinan, who is very arguably the best reliever in baseball this oh, year, I think inarguably, yeah, that's point uh, was, sub one year was not very good. And, and so, and again, I don't think that that's, I know that it's easy to say, well, he wasn't being put in a safe situation in the, in the ninth inning, you know, no. Yeah. I'm that not Blake Trinan has had plenty of options, plenty of times where he's pitched in situations like that before. He's just facing a very good team and they were very good. And, and that's where it kind of comes down to me. On the one hand, you know, you think the A's did the right strategy. I think they didn't. But at the same time, they were the worst team playing on the road against a lineup when healthy that's very dangerous, particularly in their home park. And on top of all of it, like I go back to, even, you know, the, the A's did not lose this game because of the bullpenning strategy. They lost it because, like I said, they didn't have a hit until the fifth inning. They left the bases loaded in the fourth when Severino walked, uh, when Severino walked their, hit those guys. You walk they, and, a, and, and, and then, a bad play by Endohar. and that, Which we've seen a lot of this year. Yeah. And then, we, and then you, they open up the fifth inning with back-to-back -back singles. They knock Severino out of the game and get nothing out of it. At both of those points, it's only 2 nothing. But, if you miss your opportunities at the plate, it, especially against the Yankees early, it doesn't matter who you have on the mound. You're not going to win that ball but, game. But I will go back to when we talk about the opener, the bullpen, or whatever. The Yankees, who had Luis Severino, I know he was not as good in the second half, but he checks off the boxes as this is a playoff starter. This is not a surprising decision to be a guy to start a winner-takes-all game in the playoffs. And even that, because of the strength of their bullpen, the Yankees almost went to a bullpenning strategy themselves. They, did, they didn't even ask him to get 15 outs. And it was smart that they didn't because once Dylan Batances came in, it was, I mean, he made basically one mistake. He didn't get paid, you know, didn't have to pay for it with Jed Lowry. Everything else was outstanding. And once that happened, it was very hard to see how the A's were going to win because they were facing a bullpen, which, and this is, again, this is the world we, we live in now. The number of fastballs in that game, sub-95, I don't even know if there were any. I mean, it was crazy, you know, but the reality of it is, is that when you have days off, when you have a, a situation where there, in October, you have very little worry about absolutely wearing out your bullpen. When it comes to that, and again, Liam Hendricks for an inning versus Mike Fires or Edwin Jackson, I'm not going I will give you, I will grant you, like if they had wanted to say with that that they were going to go to Mike Fires, but they would really in their mind said, you know what? If Mike Fires gets us nine outs, that's all we're going for. Sure. I, I have no problem with that. At the same time, what their real strategy was is they wanted Really, what I don't know why they didn't do is, again, along those lines, is, is why wouldn't Trevino, if, if Trevino, because of him needing extra time to get ready, needed to come in so early, and you had this hope of getting, because they got, I mean, essentially. So Trevino pitched great. Yeah, Trevino three, pitched great, and, and you got multiple innings out of him. Right. It, it I don't know why he wasn't the guy that they started it off with. And it becomes a situation where, again, it becomes about when you go to the strategy, 
who you then have to go toward in the middle lanes when games can get away. And that's what we saw with Rodney. We've but, seen at times when teams, with the Dodgers last year in the postseason, by pulling Rich Hills early as they did when he was cruising, really set themselves up for failure in game two by having to go to their worst pitchers, going to pitchers earlier by the time they were in a sticky situation. They were out of reliable arms. But I do think that, look, at the end of the day, the Barrett team won. And we have seen, we saw you know some of the other games, for example, you know, the wild card game with the Brewers, uh, excuse me, the one game play with the Brewers, Jolice Chessine giving them five and two-thirds of one-hit baseball. Perfect. Kyle Freeland giving, tick, pitching the Rockies into the seventh. Perfect. Right, but, but again... It, 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 if you can get that, that is still the optimal but, thing to do. We also very easily could be talking this morning about that they started Mike Fires, and that in the first two innings he gave up four runs. Absolutely which impossible. Which, again, by the way... It's not a great matchup for Mike Fires. Well, that's why. Well, that's why I'm not quoting Fires. I'm saying it should have been Cahill or Jackson. But okay, it's not a great matchup for either of them either. But what I'm saying is, is we could have very easily. The reality of it is, is that that is a very difficult lineup Agreed. to get 27 outs against. Agreed. And, and, and again, I, I, hey, credit to the A's. 97 wins this year. With when we talk about their rotation, once Sean Mania went down. Again, if you had, if you told us, if you put us in a time capsule and brought us back 2015, 2016, Kyle and JJ, and you said, by the way, we're debating whether Edwin Jackson should be starting a winner takes all wild card game, or even Trevor Cahill, or at Trevor that point. Cahill, we'd be like, they're doomed. Yeah, and no, absolutely. Credit to them that that's not been the case, but you at the same time you you do say, I they did they smoke and mirrored in some ways great lineup. Great defense, great bullpen, but it is impressive that they got this far. At the same time, and I know that there are many people listening to this who are going to say, no, we are absolutely sick of Red Sox-Yankees. We haven't had it since 2004. I am excited about Red Sox-Yankees, and also, yes, I know that they have, you know, you can throw out a thousand criticisms if you want. That crowd last night, is everything you want in a playoff crowd. They were into it from the first pitch. They didn't need there to be a dramatic situation because let's be honest, they were, the Yankees pitching was doing well enough that there were very few situations of drama in that game. Absolutely. They got out to the early lead. There was the, the, the little situation that Severino got into. But other than that, basically it was something where the A's, I can't, they did not have the tying run at the plate very often in that game, much less the go-ahead run. And the crowd did not care. It's a playoff game. They were going to go crazy, and that was an awesome atmosphere. Agreed. We saw an awesome atmosphere. This will be our segue to go into talking about today's NL games because we saw an awesome atmosphere in Wrigley as well in an awesome game. And that leaves us, I mean, again, I, you know, we love October. I I do say, I get to this point every year, that I dread the sleep deprivation. I do. I mean, it's got to be rougher for you because you were on the West Coast where this is no problem. On the East Coast, it is something where it's like... This is my third postseason. I'm getting used to it. I'm just staying up. But I have to say, it's worth it. October's my, oh, it is. I mean, October's I mean, my it favorite is. month. I, I do dread it, though, because it's like I still have to get up at 6.45 in the Brent, morning. So like, you have kids and you have to get up. I don't have kids yet, yeah. so I can sleep in a little no. bit, take care it of the is. dog. It's great. It is something where... If it's a 10 nothing game, I'm, you know, on the night game, I'm going to take off a couple of innings early or something. Last night I stuck with it because it's like, you know what? 
The game got out of hand. I, I'm glad I saw Stanton's homer because that was majestic. Yes. That was that was also the camera angle when they shot it. You're like, wait, that was fair? And then you watch it. I saw it the again. replay. No, I agree. My first thought was, huh? But, you know, there's no question. <laughs> it's like, wow, was that hooking so far that it, you know, whatever. But it worked out. But so along those lines, though, so what do you think? I mean, today... We really dive into it. Yeah, so we have the NLDS, uh, both series starting today. You have the Braves and the Dodgers. You also have the Rockies and the Brewers. And, and I want to start with the Rockies and Brewers. The Rockies, I mean, it's pretty crazy. They, you know, have their season in the game Sunday, fly to Los Angeles for the one-game playoff, lose, fly to Wrigley for the one-game tiebreaker, and come out with a crazy, crazy extra inning win. And, and I think one of the things, you know, it's something that's hard to quantify Something that's very, very, you know, hard for, you know, people will, I don't know, ha have criticisms of it, the more stat-inclined people. But the Rockies, to me, this year have just shown this really, really incredible kind of survivability. Like, that's the best way I can put it. This was a team that was 38-41 and 41 as, as June's coming, you know, to an end. And they get red hot, go 13-3 and three to close out the second half, put themselves right back. They were seven games out. Of a, uh, and in fourth place in the NL West on June 29th, go 13-3, get themselves back into it with a huge second, with a huge rally before the All-Star break. Stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. They go to Dodger Stadium for a critical series end of September, get swept, and all of a sudden, oh, you know, that's going to be it for them. They're done. They're out of it. What do they do? They come back and respond not only by winning eight straight, but by winning eight straight mostly in routes to get themselves back into it. Oh, they've got this one-game wild card. They lose it. The one-game tired. They lose in Dodger Stadium. They come back and they go to Wrigley and win. I mean, this is a team that has just again and again and again. It's been the moment of oh, you know, I think they're finally done, and they keep coming back to life. And I think you have a great pitching staff. You have a team that is, you know, Matt and I talked about it. They win. They've won more games on the road than any Rockies team in history because they're built around that great pitching staff, mm -hmm. as opposed to having to beat everyone 12-11. This is a starting team pitching staff. Starting I mean, pitching. I was staff. gonna say, like, just to clarify, because, like, I mean, I think their bullpen. When I look at their bullpen, I do not think of it as a, you know, like it, this is a matchup of a great starting staff versus a great bullpen. But here's what's interesting about that, because you're right. Over the course of the season, the bullpen was problematic. But yes, they had <laughs> early in the season. The problematic, problematic was not. It was like, here, let me take some lighter fluid, and you know, let's see. <laughs> but we do talk about teams kind of peaking at the right time, and, and I tweeted this out during the wild card game. Wade Davis, for the past seven weeks, has been Blake Trinan esque. He's been Wade Davis. I mean, no, no, no. I was going to say he's been Wade Davis because Blake Trinan was not I, Wade. I, I was say, Wade I Davis. What Blake Trinan was doing this year, the insane. Wade not Davis has been up doing that runs. for a half a decade now. So. Yes, but I mean, so I think it's one of the things you're right. The bullpen has been issues, but we saw them really come out and hold hold the court during that uh, wild card game against the Cubs. You know, Altavino's got good stuff when he's on. Sung Wan Oh, final boss, still has something in there. We've talked about Wade Davis being but, good. I mean, th there but, are arms in here. But that, why that, I bring that up because we just talked about the A's versus the Yankees, and I see no team. If the Brewers are going to succeed, if they're going to win this series. They have a pitching staff, starting pitching staff to me, that is very similar to the A's. And what I mean by that is, is like, I mean, if you picked it, if you had said to anyone two months ago, who's going to start game one of the uh, NLDS for the Brewers, and your answer had been Brandon Woodruff? I mean, was that, but they, <laughs> yes, that's very, uh, that, that's not, not something that you saw coming. But really, when you say 
they do not have a lot of guys as far as the rotation. I do not know if we will see a Brewers starter pitch in the sixth inning in this series, potentially. So one of the things, and I actually wrote about this on opening day, that coming into the season, a lot of people tell, oh, the Brewers didn't go get Jake Arrieta. They didn't add the starter they needed. But if you look at the Brewers starters here, right, there are a lot of guys that people don't know the names of. But they've actually been okay. The Brewers this year, their starters ERA was 11th in baseball, better than the Yankees, better than the better right. than, better than you they know. They have depth. They, they were cl- they're in the top, you know, close to the top third in baseball in starters ERA. So the names who, but, are not great. But when you say that though, who who's their number two starter? Like when again, when you say that, like like okay, Wade Miley has you know had a you know a great, a great half a season for them. But like when you say when it, when you line this up for the postseason, like, and we say when we were talking about, like, when we're talking about the the Braves-Dodgers series, and you're talking about, okay, so the Dodgers are going to throw you, Kershaw, Bueller. With with Hill if they want. With Hill if they want. And the Braves are going to throw Fulton Awitz. And then after that, you know, clearly, uh, you know, Gossman's been great since they got him. Anibal Sanchez has been the surprise guy. But then they have all these options. When you do this with the Brewers, you look at it and you say, See what I Brandon ask? Woodruff, I don't think that they're expecting to get, I don't know if they're expecting 15 outs from him. Yeah, Brandon Woodruff was a little bit surprised me, but the counter I would say is a lot of these guys are better than we all think they are. Jolie's Chassin has been a better pitcher than Jose Quintana and a lot of other guys who are way more uh, I, I don't. I don't disagree years. with that. But Chase this, Anderson is actually a very fine pitcher. They acquired These Diego are number Gonzalez. threes and fours, though. Well, that's actually the thing is... Technically, or again, Chassin has pitched above not, no, that. Chase Anderson is not. Chase Anderson is Chase not. Chase Anderson, if you are being charitable. But we have seen if Ch- you have Chase Anderson has a 5.22 FIP. Now, again, his ERA is better than that. But Chase Anderson is not a guy. That is a guy who, if you are throwing as a starter in a playoff series and you are matching up, again, when we talk about this, if he's, if he's on the mound... And again, in this series, if he's on the mound and he's facing Kyle Freeland or he's facing Sensitel, you know, take your pick. You're going, okay, advantage Rockies. And that's my, my point for this is, is that where the Brewers have, the Brewers are going to lean hard and heavy on maybe the best bullpen in this, you know, in the, in the NL. Agreed. I think part of what they're also going to be banking on here, Gio Gonzalez, who is currently not slated in the starting rotation because they've only named their games one and two starters. Since acquiring him, you know, he had a rough season at the end with the Nationals, 3-0 and with a 2-1-3 ERA and five starts. If that's the Gio Gonzalez they get, he, then they have the starter. He is the upside guy. He is the guy who you say, right. if you said, go back a few years ago, and it was like Edison Volquez, you know, where you're like, look, over the totality of Edison Volquez's career, you're not real confident when he steps on the mound in a playoff game, but you also in the back of your head know, you know, Edison Volquez could go out here and shove for seven. As we've talked about, Edison Volquez, and this is me years covering him, he's one of those guys that just watch the first 10 pitches of the game and you know which Edison Volquez Because if you get the good one, it's really he can good. shove. But it also could be wow. We gave up. We gave up five runs. And we got him out of there in the first. And it and it took an hour to get through the first yeah. inning. No, so I, there's no question. So, I, but dude, but Gio, I, I, I do agree with you. Like that, he is the guy. Again, I do look at it at this point, and part of it comes back to. I do think you have to miss bats, especially, <laughs> and everyone misses bats now. 
both in Miller Park and Coors Field. Especially <laughs> in a series where it's in Miller Park and Coors Field, and especially, now again, the Brewers can go more defense, they can go more offense, but they put lineups out there where they're counting on you missing bats, and they're counting on them scoring runs. So now's the real question, who you got in the series? I, I, because of that, I probably do say Rockies. You know, again, like I don't, I, but I mean, it's close. I mean, the, the, both of these series are really close, but I do think, I mean, the Brewers have been, hey, the Brewers, are the, I mean, they're the, they're, they could have been in the Rockies situation, but instead they're the number one seed, you know, that like it's, it's crazy. But I do look at it and I say, I don't know, you know, again, ah, you know what, I'm going to say Brewers for the DS and I, don't, I think their bullpen will start to run out of gas a little bit in the uh, NLCS. What are you about, what about you? It's, this is a tough one. I think people who just say, oh, Brewers, top seed, I think they're missing No, I mean, something. no, I mean, yeah, yeah, clearly, no, no, I mean, no, you, I, I'm inclined to lean Brewers just because I respect what they did over the course of the year. I think home field's huge. Miller Park is going to be rocking. I like the fact that, you know, their starting pitching staff is fine, and then that bullpen is lights out. We've also talked a lot about the Rockies. I, I, would, expect, I would imagine we're going to see Hader for... Multiple innings and, and on like, multiple Now that occasions. Corey Knable is right, that makes so much of a difference. Having good Corey Knable helps lengthen that game, you know, for, shorten the game for the starters even more because you can really truly finish Knable, Jeffress, Hader, goodbye. I also think that at the end of the day, their offense is just more reliable. We've seen that. The Rockies scored two runs in that one-game tiebreaker, two runs in 13 innings at Wrigley. It's not a good offense, particularly when you take it on the road. I just like against the quality of the Brewers' staff in total, especially the bullpen. I do expect the Brewers to come out on top. So we will move on then to we have our uh, this second This is the series. fun one. To me, this, this is the real dandy right here. You have two teams, by the way, shout out, the last two teams to be Baseball America's number one overall farm system, Braves 2017-2018, Dodgers 2016. I think this is fun because the Dodgers, while they do have some of these young standouts, they're the old guard in a way. Actually, Dodgers were 51 because the Braves went back to back, I think. They're right. number one order. Right, Braves were 17, yes. 18. Seven, yeah, 17, 18, yes. Dodgers yes. The Dodgers, even though they have plenty of young guys, are kind of the old guard of this series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, were, they, the, they went to game seven of the World Series and last year. Six time division champs, the Braves, the ascendant young guys. This matchup fascinates me on a number of levels. Um, you have a couple, you know, two game one stars in Hunjin Ryu and Mike Fultonewitz, who at the beginning of the year, at no point did you say, oh yeah, these guys are going to be starting game one. I'll say, you, I, I, I don't disagree with you, but I, you know, Hunjin Ryu, I mean, I go back to, you know, him basically leading them to Olympic glory. Like, you know, there is a, uh, there's a soft spot I'll always have for the, uh, the Korean David Wells. And hey, I, I saw him, uh, you know, take a perfect game into the seventh at Dodgers Stadium a few years. He's a good pitcher. He's been great since coming, uh, since coming uh, back this year. But uh, overall, how do you kind of stack up this series? Because you've got two offenses that can crush you at any time. You've got, you know, pitching staffs that are kind of a mix Starting of... Starting pitching staff. But the bullpens, I think th these are the two shakiest the bullpens. Bingo. Like, and I do not, I, again, I do think that this series will come down to which team can survive their bullpen. Because I feel like that these are the two bullpens where, like, that Rockies-Brewers series, if the Brewers are up and it's the sixth or seventh inning, I kind of feel like, okay, they, they can feel very confident they have that game. In this series, if it's five to three, for either of these teams, and you say, okay, it's the seventh inning, 
You feel like you've got a chance because the Braves walk way too many guys and they do not have really, I can't really map out a, a, a very obvious, here's their you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth strategy because they have some young guys who seem like they've worn down a little bit, understandably, because they've been in larger roles this year. They have some older guys who are okay, but not so great. And then you look on the Dodgers side and Kenley Jansen is no longer you know, a guy, I mean, at his peak, and he's, he's, he's understandably paid a little price for this, which is, is that they've been in the playoffs a lot, and in the playoffs, Kenley Jansen is a guy who they've looked at and said, we can get six outs from him if we need to. I don't feel like he's that guy as much anymore. He's not, and I mean, it's one of those things, you know, when you're used to watching, you know, old Kenley Jansen, 96-mile-an-hour cutters with just ridiculous movement, well, that cutter is now 93 with less movement, and he's not located as well. It's like, okay, it's slower, it's moving less, it's not being located as well. You're going to have problems. Um, he'd had that really, really, really bad stretch in August, but the thing is, he'd actually been better since then, and that's in part why the wild card meltdown was a little bit, you know, I would say very, very concerning. That August meltdown happened. Then went out and gave up two runs in his next uh, 12 in the third innings. He'd been really good throughout September. Then he goes up and gives out those two home runs. I think for me right now, what will be one of the interesting keys to the series is if we see the Dodgers do what the Astros did last year, where the Astros as well had serious bullpen issues, mm -hmm. and they fixed it by saying, okay, Charlie Morton, Lance McCullers, Colin McHugh, Brad Peacock, all these guys who were starters at some point. Which the Dodgers have options to do that. And that's what I think they're going to have to with the Ross Striplings. They've already moved Alex Wood to the bullpen. We'll see what they choose to do as far as Julio Urias on a DS roster. He was good when he came back, but he only pitched once every six or seven days. Yeah, it's, I, don't, it's I just don't know. Like, I don't think you can put him on a roster like this because I don't think you can use him enough and I think that's completely reasonable. But, but the overall sense of taking guys who are traditional starters and letting them go in three-inning chunks, that to me is, I don't want to say it's going to be what they're going to have to do because, look, if Caleb Ferguson, Scott Alexander, you know, pitch great, and Kenta Maeda, we've seen what he can do out of the bullpen. You know, if Kenley can get back to what he was in the early September, like, there's still usable pieces there. It's not like there's nothing. But I think for me, that's going, that's going to be one of the decisive factors in all likelihood cool. beyond just the series, but the Dodgers post and lives is how they're able to manipulate those stars in the bullpen if the, and if they do it effectively. But the other interesting thing about that is this. I feel like with the Braves, they are the team in this that is more likely to let guys go a little deeper because they may well, say we would rather see Mike Fultonawitz <laughs> face guys a third time than to go to our pen early. I don't know if the I don't know if the Dodgers are you know can do that because I don't know if you're comfortable that Hun Jun Yu can go you know can go seven innings. Clayton Kershaw, it is great that he is back, but he's not fully the Clayton Kershaw that you know again has carried them through the through the playoffs as much. He's had some injuries this year. Again, I think I do expect he's not getting a hook in the fifth. But you're not expecting, you know, and a, and a complete game from Clayton Kershaw tonight. No. But I think, though, that what they do have, like you said, they have so many guys who can start and can move to the pen. I do think that a lot of those guys are going to be better relievers for them than many of their, much of their bullpen. And we say much of their bullpen. They use 30 different pitchers this year. I'm not counting, I'm not counting like, uh, you know, Enrique Hernandez, you know, throwing for them. I'm talking... 
30 different pitchers. So, you know, they've used a lot of different guys. I do think, though, yeah, I think we've seen what, again, like you said, we've seen what Kenta Maeda can do out of the pen. It's pretty good. I don't think you can use, I mean, like you said, I, don't, I think you have to use Rich Hill as a starter more likely because oh, yeah, yeah. Rich Hill can't do that now. You know, it's funny, you mentioned the players being allowed to face Bowers a third time, and we talked about it last year at Game 2, and one of the issues I raised was you have to look at each player as an individual. Rich Hill was better through the order in his third time than was the seconds. It was a mistake for the Dodgers to pull him in Game 2, and it, I was, it cost them the series. I stand by that. Hunter Ryu is an interesting case, but we've seen the Dodgers, they map it out. They're very inflexible. They don't adapt. They say, this is what we're doing. They do it without feeling the heartbeat of the game, which I do think is a mistake. Hunjin, I, I, and I completely and utterly disagree with you. Fine. That's fine. Hunjin Ryu is an interesting guy because, so it's a smaller sample because he's gone through the third time in the order less than he has the first and the second. But he's actually been pretty good the third time through the order. The slash lines against him are better than the second time. Survivor bias. Survivor and, bias, which is, is that survivor bias on that. Okay, for one, we do know over the totality that there is a third because we, when you look at mass numbers, Oh, of course there is. There is. I'm not arguing But beyond that, that, so what it is is that on outings where Hun Jun Yu is at his absolute best, they let him stay. He lets him stay. Right. If he's not, he doesn't get to. So instead, so what you are seeing is, is that is you are seeing him at his absolute best. And again, that's not, not, I'm not saying it's not useful in some way, but I am saying like that that is a, you know, that's a logic. And again, the reason I say when I say I disagree with you on it is, is I do think when you say inflexible, again, you do have to adjust depending on the situation. However, it is very easy to get in the heartbeat of the moment, and then all of a sudden you let Matt Harvey pitch longer <laughs> than he should, and you lose games. Because what you do, the reason you map it out beforehand is that before you let emotion, gut, all that become part of it, you then say, at least I'm going to have something there to remind me that this is probably not a good idea. And I think it's always good to have the information. It just comes down to, okay, if the guy, and again, I think there's a difference between talking about it in the seventh versus the fourth. There's situationals that you have to take into account. A guy on his 48th pitch and a guy on his 90th pitch. I think there are two completely different situations. Uh, but I will say, and I go back to, you know, yes, survivor bias is absolutely a big part of that. At the same time, if Hunjin Ryu is getting through the third part of the order because he's mowed, da mowed it down oh, the yeah, first no, I'm two not times, you he's don't... holding his velo, you should, you should leave him in. Right, you should have a, bull, a guy up in the pen ready to go, but I have no problem with that. And, that, and that's where I want to see if the Dodgers adjust, because last year they didn't take that into consideration at all with Rich Hill, and it was a mistake. But, well, we're going to have to wrap this up because we do have the other half of the issue to, to put out today. But Real quick, who you got? I do think the Braves. I, I think... I think that this Braves team is here before they should be. You know, like this is a team that was really kind of aimed for, uh, you know, for, for 19, not 18. But now that they're here, I, I feel like that this lineup is really good. I, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think losing Dansby Swanson for the series hurts them that much. Um, it is a nice thing. Now, about... De defensively, there is a little... There right. Is a, that, that does hurt. Right. Um, but uh, but I don't think it's a you know a, a killer by any stretch of the imagination, and I I do think I, I just think that you know I think that we're going to have some some pretty uh, majestic Ronald Acuna moments, which is, very very fair is very fun. Now again, the thing about the Dodgers, like hey, I know that they went out and got Manny Machado. It is amazing. It's like you know, they basically done this with no Corey Seager for 
very much of the year. But again, if you go out and get Manny Machado, then we could also, it could be a series where Manny Machado ends up having very many majestic moments. But I picked the Dodgers before the season to win the World Series. I feel like I have to stick with that. I can't jump off the ship as long as they're still in it, um, especially because they, you know, they, they've been playing well here toward the end. So by that, I do by default pick the Dodgers. But in no way, shape, or form will I be shocked or should anybody be shocked if the Braves win, or even if they win big, this, no, this is, a is very... these, are, these are close to toss-ups. I mean, in 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 I would say on both situations, like we are talking about two series where, again, you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Obviously, anyway, but these are very close series. Agreed. I don't think there's any one team that you can say, oh, they should blow the other one out of the water. These are going to be great series. Well, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about the uh, American League uh, division series. I have to call in. I have, uh, I have to work from home tomorrow. Or we'll pull someone else in. We'll figure it out. For J.J. Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody.